welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 21st of February 2010, entitled Today's Number One Pitfall, and the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Welcome to the 2010 conference on sleep deprivation. <laughs> and all God's people said... Wow. Pray for me. I've got a frog in my throat and he's got his legs crossed this morning. So please pray for me that I'll get through this. I want to be a help to you this morning. I don't know a subject that's harder to preach on. The one I'm going to preach on this morning. I want you to look at our text in Hebrews chapter number 12 and look at verse 15. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 15. The writer says, looking diligently. We talked about that the onset of this week. We talked about keep thy heart with all diligence. Basically what Solomon said was to his son, Peter, above everything else that you keep, this is the most important thing. He said, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. Now, the writer here says in the New Testament, looking diligently. In other words, above everything else that you fix your eyes upon, this should be the most important thing. Looking diligently, lest any man, Mike, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby how many? Didn't say a few, did it? Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Tyler, I've had a lot of people sit across the desk from me and come to you with a problem. And when you begin to talk and you begin to dig and and start to, to labor over that issue in their life, it always seems to be a surface issue. There's always surface things. But when you start digging a little deeper, Tim, you get down to the nitty-gritty, you get down to the root of it. I know many times people say, well, I've got problems at home, or I've got this issue with, uh, with finances, or I may have a problem with a friend. And you, you, you start talking, and before long, you, you dig a little deeper, Preacher Russ, and you find out that there's a bigger problem that's just don't, than, than, than what's on the surface. You have to dig a little deeper. And ladies and gentlemen, a lot of times, the things that we want to think's problems in our life are just surface issues. They're not the real problem. Most of you know about the Titanic. The Titanic was sank in the Atlantic on one frigid evening by what seemingly looked on the surface as just a small iceberg. But what sank the Titanic was not what was above the surface of the water. It was what was underneath the surface of the water. See, what they saw was just the tip of the iceberg sticking out of the water. What they did not realize is that there was a large formation of ice underneath the surface, and that boat was taken to its peril by what was underneath the surface, not what was above it. Now, I'm here to tell you that I don't know, and I preach this about every other year, but I don't know a sin, young people. I don't know a sin in a Christian's life that'll make him look more lost than a sin called bitterness. I don't know a sin 
anywhere, anything that'll make a saved man title look more like a lost man than a thing called bitterness. Now I want to ask you today, do you struggle with what I believe is today's number one pitfall? Do you struggle with a thing called bitterness? Because I read a story about two years ago, Tom. Her name was Ann. She was a mother. She was at work one Tuesday afternoon, and Preacher Rush, she got a call in her cubicle to rush to the hospital. Her daughter was in jeopardy of losing her life. When she got to the hospital, she rushed in there in the emergency room, and before she could even say goodbye to her daughter, she had taken her last breath, and she was in eternity. She had taken three bullets in the chest in a drive-by shooting. And her mother didn't even get to say goodbye to her own daughter. She called her son up, the young lady's brother. Said, you need to come down. I need to talk to you. He left work. He came down to the hospital. When she told him what took place, he literally ran through a, a glass door. Ran through it. In shock. Steve, he was so enraged, he was so bitter and angry, he said, I will get retribution. I will find the people that did that, and I will get vindication for what they did to my sister. He held on list of that thing for years and years and years. And that dear lady, Ann, stood at the grave, not of her daughter, Chris, but of her son as she watched her son be lowered into the grave. Because he took his own life. He was consumed with bitterness. And do you know what she wrote in this book? She wrote, if you don't take care and let and put away bitterness, it'll put you under. Let me say it again. If you don't put away bitterness, it'll put you under. Now I want to ask you a question today. Do you struggle with bitterness? You say, preacher, how do I know if I'm bitter? Well, you know what's amazing about bitterness is that the person that's bitter is probably the last one to admit it. Most of the people around a person that, that's bitter already knows it and has seen it. But the people that usually are bitter are the last ones who admit it. I hope today that you'll be honest before God, and if you struggle with this thing, that you'll let it go and let God have it. Because you know what? It'll eat you alive, young people. I want you to look at me. Bitterness will eat you alive just like when you pour a mineral spirit or a type of substance that's corrosive into a styrofoam cup. It'll eat through the bottom. That's what bitterness will do to you. You can never be effective and be a wonderful, powerful tool in the hand of God if you hold on to this thing called bitterness. Number one, I want you to look at the reasons for bitterness. The reasons for bitterness. You say, preacher, what are they? There's some things that cause us to get bitter. I'm going to give you two of them, and these are just things that I just, through a process of time and through living life's experiences and going through some bitterness myself, I've written some things down. Number one, the reasons for bitterness, as I believe, number one is because of a lack of selflessness. A lack of selflessness. We talked about it last Sunday. Some of you young people weren't here, but we talked about the book of Philippians. And in the book of Philippians, Paul wrote these words in chapter number 2. He said to the church, he said, Let nothing be done. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of who? Others. Let's say it again. Others. Say it again. 
others. See, this life ain't about you. There's, this, there's something that's bigger than you. And what we've got to do is we've got to get to the point, Roy, where we stop looking and it's always got to be about me, me, me. The Christian life's about others, others, others. It ain't about me, me, me. And the reason most people get bitter is because it ain't about them anymore. And they have a lack of selflessness. If any man come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. He didn't say pat himself on the back every time he did something for Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. That thing's going crazy on me. We've got to learn to be selfless, not selfish. And the problem and the reason why a lot of people get bitter is because they have a lack of selflessness. How many times have I heard a young person say, well, you know what, I wish I could play the piano like so-and-so. Well, she sings better than I do. Well, I w you know what? How about start giving God glory for what you are and what you can do and stop complaining and bickering and quarreling about what you can't do? There's a lot of you in here has got a lot of potential and, and, and you could be a powerful tool that God could use. But you know what? Because you're not the center of attention or you're not the one that's always lifted up and put on a pedestal, guess what? When you're put on a pedestal, the only direction you've got to go is down from there. So just be very careful that he's the one that's put on the pedestal because he deserved the glory. We don't. The reason why people get bitter is because they got a lack of selflessness, man. They, listen, I praise God for people like Mike, like Michael Schmidt. I praise God for him, and I'm not trying to lift you up, brother, but God put something on your heart, and you know what? You're willing to go. I wish we had more going. Matter of fact, I just don't wish it. I know we need more to go. There is a need out there that's bigger than us, and the reason why people get bitter is because they say, well, I didn't get the pat on the back. We need to grow up. We really do need to grow up. As God's people, we ought to realize that He told us that we are nothing without Him. And folks, what did He? We've talked about it all week. What does it say? God forbid that I should glory. Who's the one that ought to get the glory? He should get it. But yet sometimes we want to steal it from him because of a lack of selflessness. But number two, one of the other reasons why we uh, see bitterness creep up into people's lives is number two, it's called a loss of service. You know what happens? People get hurt. Now, now and I'm going to hit both sides of this thing. You ought to be very careful. Listen to me and listen to me well. I'm going to preach real fast. If you, listen, if, if you know that death and life are in the power of the tongue, be very careful how you speak to people. But on the same flip side of that, the Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. How many times have we seen people that used to be here, used to be in your church, young person, and now they're gone because they might have got their feelings hurt, and now they're not doing a thing for God? You know what? If you do that and you kick it into neutral and you say, I'm going to take a vacation from life and I'm not doing anything for God anymore. He dealt me a bad hand and I'm bitter about the way them people treated me. You know what? A loss of service when you set idle, the devil will make you bitter. Bitter. I had a friend of mine who, after a, you know, Christians are, we're supposed to love one another, but it don't actually happen that way all the time, all right? I was sitting in the church service one day, and Dino, we were having a finance meeting after the church on Wednesday night. 
Well, it got kind of heated, and Tyler, I said, you know what? I said, time out. I said, we're tabling this whole meeting. If you can't get along, we're going to table this, and we're going to go home and pray before we ever meet about this again. Brother Roy, there was a guy in our church, after everybody left, he was sitting about where you were. He wasn't moving the whole time. He had just sat still. Everybody had left, and I'm in there, Peter, and I went to him, and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, he said, I was just sitting and observing. I said, well, you know what? This didn't seem to affect you at all. You just sat back there with your arms crossed, and you didn't get mad. You didn't get, you were just kind of just sitting there observing. He said, well, you know what I've realized about the Christian life? He said, a dead man can't get offended. He said, a dead man can't get offended. He said, a dead man can't get upset. And you know what? I think too many times we're too busy and too consumed with us that we ought to realize that we're no longer alive in ourselves. We've been crucified with Christ. We're dead in Him, but alive in Him. See, folks, I'll tell you the first thing that make a person bitter is when they have a lack of selflessness, but number two, when they have a loss of service. How many times has some, somebody come into church and, you know what, you used to have a position and then God's brought somebody in and it's obvious that they've got a real spiritual gift to do that certain task. And they come in and maybe the pastor puts them in that position and you're no longer there. You know what will happen? How many of y'all in this room have ever been upset or done wrongfully? Guess what? Be encouraged. You're a perfect candidate for bitterness. You're a candidate for bitterness. You say, preacher, the reasons for bitterness is a lack, of, a lack of selflessness and a loss of service. But can I tell you this? I'll tell you what the result of bitterness is. The result of bitterness. Bitterness produces stuff in your life. I'm going to give you just a couple of them real quick. Number one, when you're bitter, it'll produce complaining. You'll have a complaining spirit. I mean, everything that you see Everything that somebody does, you complain about it. I understand it, Steve. You remember a lady in the Bible named uh, uh, Naomi? Her name means pleasant, okay? Her name meant pleasant. She went away, came back. God had dealt bitterly. I mean, she lost her husband. She lost her two sons, and guess what? She came back into town in Bethlehem, Judah, and the people looked at her and said, is that Naomi coming? It had been 10 years since she had been gone. She came back, and when they looked at her, preacher, they looked at her and said, is that Naomi? And Naomi said this. She said, you better not call me Naomi. Don't you, don't you dare call me pleasant. She said, you call me what I become. You call me Mara. You know what Mara means, right? Bitter. She said, because God dealt harshly with me. Let me ask you all something. Are you in control of your life or is he? Because you know what makes a person bitter and start complaining? Is when they want to be in control of it and not let him be in control. It's kind of like Preacher Laird was talking. You got one hand out like this saying, Okay, Lord, here it is, but you're holding on to something over here. You know what that's called in the Bible? It's called lukewarmness. And God hates it. God would rather you be hot, boiling, or frigid, cold. But don't be in the middle. You get on fire for God, or better yet, if you can't do that, just stay frigid. But don't get in the middle where you're going to kind of have people all confused on whether or not you really want to serve Him, or you don't. God don't want bumping around Christians. 
He wants somebody that'll stand up and give allegiance to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And a bitter person can't do that because all they do is complain. Y'all know people like that in your church? Now, don't raise your hand, but I can guarantee you right now, you know somebody in your church, somebody in your family, and they always complaining. Huh? Always. Well, the food's not cold enough. Well, it's not hot enough. Ah, my tea's lukewarm. Why don't you bring me that? I get tired of people complaining. If you complain about it, get up and do it yourself in. Get up and do it yourself. If it ain't good enough for you, get up and do it yourself. Quit complaining. I'll tell you the results of a bitter person. Number one, they'll be a complainer. Number two, they'll be critical. Critical. How many people do you know that all they do is critique and scrutinize? Well, I'll tell you, we will never do it that way in our church. Well, whoopee. We'll never do it that way in our church. Now, I know y'all saying this guy's different, and I know I am, but I just kind of like just speak what a, my mind. That's the difference between pastor. He's, you know, he's called to comfort the afflicted. I'm called the afflicted comforted, all right? <laughs> you got to sit there comforted. I'm going to try to shake you up. Don't be critical. I had a guy that went to Bible college with me, Chris. I wish you could have seen our yearbook, the first year we were in Bible college, our freshman year. I'll call him Matt. It's not his name, but that's, I was calling him Matt. You should have seen his picture. The first year he was at Bible college, this is what he looked like. In, in the picture for the yearbook. I mean, that's what he looked like. Panos, he took his picture like that in the book. And I'm like, man, this guy's, man, he's upset, mad about something. You know what I found out about Matt? He came from a dysfunctional home. He got saved, but yet his daddy was a mean man to him, did some very, very ruthless things to him. And Matt held on to that stuff, Dino, for a long, long time, and he brought, it, he brought that bad baggage into Bible college. And I can remember the second year that we were in Bible college, we were sitting in class. Just a regular Bible class. Carl, Matt had had every bit of it he could take. And, and, and you ever been sitting somewhere and somebody startled you so bad it almost make you pass out? We're sitting in class and we're going through systematic theology and Matt goes, stop! Man, I thought the rapture had taken place. He said, I want to say something. What we didn't know was he and a friend of mine, Roger, had had a problem that day. Roger had went to him in, in love and said, Matt, what's wrong? I want to help you. Well, what's going on in your life? And he said, man, you leave me alone or I'm going to knock you out in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? That's kind of the way he said it. He came into class, Steve, and he had all he could take. He stood up and he said, and I mean, he just spilled it. He just said, I'm telling y'all, I have been so bitter at my daddy I have been so bitter at even I... And you know what ultimately, folks, when we're bitter, we might say we're bitter at a person, but most of us, if we're truthful and honest, we're bitter at God. We're angry because we thank God. We say, God, you're not there. God, you're not fair. God, you don't care. Can I submit to you that God is not any of those qualities? He loves us. He's there. All the time. He cares. And I'll tell you, He is definitely fair. He is just. But you know what? A lot of times, 
We want to try to sugarcoat things, or like y'all say, candy coat it. We want to candy coat it. Matt stood up, and he confessed and said, you know what, I'm releasing it today. He said, I'm letting go of this thing. I've had a critical spirit. He said, I came in here with a chip on my shoulder daring somebody to knock it off. And he said, I'm tired of that now, and I'm going to put it away. And you know what? I wish you could have seen his picture when he graduated. He went from to, I mean, he's smiling, nice. You know where he's at today, Panos? I just got an email from him. He's in China with his four children and his wife, and they serve on the mission field in China. If he would have held on to that, he'd still be sitting in a church somewhere in America because I can guarantee you this, God wouldn't have used him like he's using him now if he'd have held on to it. What about you? Are you holding on to something? Is there something in your life that nobody else knows about, but you're holding on to it, and you say, I ain't letting it go because that's my... That's my lot in life, and I'm going to take care of it. God says, you know what? You need to release that thing. I'll tell you the results of bitterness. Number one, it'll produce complaining. It'll produce a critical spirit. But number three, it'll produce carelessness. Now, there's an active and a passive carelessness. Active careless is toward things like priorities. Why do people give up and relinquish? I had a guy in my church. He called me one day out of nowhere, Chris, said, Preacher, I just wanted to let you know I'm giving up my position as an usher. I'm not taking the offer no more. I've quit the choir, and I ain't doing anything. I'm, I'm giving up all my duties in a WANA program, and I'm done. I'll be at church, but I won't do anything else. Well, where'd that come from? That hit me out of left field. Well, come to find out, somebody he heard over, overheard talking in the church, and he thought they were talking about him, and they weren't even talking about him. And he got bitter and quit everything. You know what happens, Steve, when you get bitter is you just get careless with your priorities. You know what? If we realize who we're really doing this for, we wouldn't give up. We wouldn't quit. Who are we doing it for? Are we doing it for anybody in the church? Yeah, we're to, we're to lift each other up and we're to encourage one another, but who do we do this for? Him. Can I ask you something today? Have you got a bitter spirit? If you do, you know what will happen in, in your life? You'll be a complainer. You'll be critical. And you'll be careless. Not only about priorities, but about people. There'll be people, you know, when, when you're bitter, you can't witness to them and you get, get careless. You don't care about them like you should. I want to ask you this question today. If you are, the reasons are because it's a lack of it's a lack of selflessness, a loss of service. The results is you'll be complaining, you'll be critical, you'll be careless. But you say, preacher, you know what? How do I do? How do I how do I get rid of it? How do I let go of it? We'll look at Ephesians chapter number four very quickly. I'll be done. Ephesians chapter number four, look at it. By the way, young people, I'm not blowing smoke at you. In nineteen ninety five I had a man who was my mentor. I was in a youth ministry under his leadership. And there came a day when my wife came to me and told me some things that had happened and taken place and some misappropriations that he had committed. And we had to leave that church. And he avoided me for years and years and years. And it wasn't until the year 2001, the year prior to me coming here for the first time, that I had to go find him. And I had to 
meet him face to face, just like Jacob and Esau did. And I had to look at him and I had to say, Sir, you may not want to hear this, but I forgive you. I forgive you. You know what that did? It might not have helped him, but it helped me. You hear me? See, when you hold bitterness, it don't really, you don't hold it, it holds you. It consumes you. It builds up a brick wall around you, and you can't get out. The only way you are going to get out of it is to what I'm getting ready to tell you. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verse number 30. It says, Brother Roy, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Look at verse 32. And be ye what? That was weak. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let me just give you a few ways how do you release bitterness. We've talked about the reasons. We've talked about the results. But can I talk about the releasing of bitterness? How do you let go of it? Well, first of all, look at verse 32 again, the first part. It says, and be ye kind one to another. You know what? I can give you the greatest advice that anybody could when it comes to releasing bitterness. Learn to love one another. Learn to love one another. You know, the love of Christ, Panos, constrains us. It ought to force us literally to, you know, to overlook people's faults and frailties and, and all of the bad baggage because guess what? God did that to us. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, so ye do the same. That's what we're to do. If you want to release bitterness, number one, love one another. But number two, it says, be tender-hearted. You know what that literally means? Be merciful to one another. Be loving to one another, but be merciful to one another. What is mercy? It's not getting what you deserve. When you love somebody that's unlovable, you're giving them grace. But when you forgive, you're really, you're, you're, listen, you're giving them something they don't deserve. And you know what? Because of that, there's no wrath between you and they're not getting what they really do deserve because sometimes in our flesh, we want to go and we want to take care of business. But that's not the way to handle it. We be merciful, tenderhearted. I got an ex-brother-in-law. He and my sister-in-law got divorced about eight years ago. What I didn't know was long and short of it, Pastor Russ, was my brother-in-law. We worked together at a job. My brother-in-law had me fired because I was handing out gospel tracts. We did some maintenance on apartments, and when I went to do a maintenance on, say, an oven or a stove or a refrigerator, I would take a gospel tract and lay it on the table. It's a free country, right? I mean, I thought it was. I thought America was free. Obviously, it's not. Uh, they said that that was, a, uh, you know, that was uh, violating their whatever. I don't know what they... They've always got a law to try to put something on us Christians. But they had every right if they wanted to to throw that gospel tract in the trash can if they wanted to. They can do whatever they want to with it. But I've got the right to put it on their table. Well, he had me fired. He was my boss. Come to find out, about two years after he had me fired, found out that he was cheating. He was cheating with another woman. 
And he also had a drug problem. And he was very, very violent and abusive to my two nephews, which by the one, one of them today is in the ministry, thank God. God does work miracles because I don't know how in the world it couldn't have been nothing but God's grace to get that boy through, through school and put him in the ministry without a daddy. Do you know what? There was a time in my life where I was bitter. I was bitter at him. But I can remember I was preaching a, I was preaching a meeting in my hometown of Statesville, North Carolina. And while I was at that meeting, one day I went to a, a place to get some breakfast. And when I walked in the door, guess who was sitting in one of the pew, one of the pews? Guess who was sitting in one of the, uh, one of the tables? He was. Now, what do you do? You know, here the Lord's confront, got me in this confronted situation. What do I do now? Well, I can tell you what came over me. God put something in my heart, Carl, that I couldn't do in myself. It's called new grace. I looked at him and God gave me eyes of compassion. I went over there and he didn't want to shake my hand, but I shook his hand and I said, hey, I said, I'm preaching down the street. I, I'd love for you to come. Hugged his neck and told him I loved him and headed on my way. You know what? I left there and I was shouting glory because I had liberty. God gave me liberty because I knew what I did was right. Be tenderhearted. Then it says forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. You know, I've had some people ask me, why is it so hard to forgive somebody when they do you wrong? You ever wondered that? Why is it so hard to forgive? Now, it's easy to hold on to a grudge, isn't it? But it's very hard to forgive sometimes. Why is it so hard to forgive? Just a couple things. Number one, it is hard to forgive people because if you... Listen, if you forgive, what you do is you take the tool out of your hand that you can use to hurt them. Number two, the reason it's hard to forgive is because when you do, you know you're getting ready to set yourself up to be hurt again. Hello? Isn't that the truth? Because people are going to hurt us. But when we forgive, we're setting ourselves up. That's why it's so hard. We're setting ourselves up to be hurt again. But the third reason why it's so hard to forgive is because, guess what? If we forgive, we've got to take a long, hard look at our own life. Now, let me ask you something today. Do you have bitterness in your life? Do you? Because I'll tell you this, you'll know it because you'll have a lack of selflessness. It'll be all about you. You'll want to be the center of attention. You'll have a loss of service. The results of that will be you'll be a complainer, you'll be critical, and you'll be careless. But if you want to release it today and let it go, he said, let all bitterness be put away from you. If you want to release it, number one, you learn to love one another unconditionally. You learn to be merciful. You learn to forgive. And if you don't know how to forgive and you say, preacher, how in the world do I forgive somebody that's hurt me? Look at the last part of verse 32. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You want to know how you forgive? You run as, far, as fast and as hard as you can to Calvary. And you look at what Jesus did for you. How in the wide world could somebody who had a bag put on their head, their beard pulled out of their face, hit unmercifully around the head and shoulder area and said, if you're the son of man, tell me who hit you. How can somebody that was 
had their facial features look like hamburger meat. They were beaten so badly and then take a cat of nine tails and beat them within an inch of their life and their back look like hamburger meat and their internal organs showing and still be crucified and nailed to a cross, stuck up there and literally say this from the cross, said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. As a lamb before his shears was dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He willingly laid his life down for us. And how in the world could we say we could never forgive somebody when God did that for us? How? If you're bitter today, I guarantee you, deep down in the recesses of your heart, you know you, you are. You know you are. But you can release it today. You can let it go and give it to Him. You can close your Bibles. I'm done. Don't you like simple truths in the Bible? Like if we confess our sins? I mean, how simple is that? How simple is it to just go to God and confess and say, Lord, I'm already agreeing with what you already know. I, I'm just agreeing with what you already know about me. And I confess it to you. And it said, what does it say? He's faithful and what? Just to forgive us. But yet we want to hold on to it, don't we, preacher? There's a lot of times we want to hold on. We want to get retribution. We want to get vindication. I love the simple truths of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His what? Only Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today, if you want to release that bitterness, all you've got to do is this. You've got to get to, get to Jesus as fast as you can and say, Jesus, all to you I surrender. I'm not giving half of it. I'm not giving 85% of this bitterness. I'm giving all of it to you. And if you want to have victory in your life, and overcome the number one pitfall in most Christians' lives, you've got to let it go. Because if you don't put it away, it'll put you under. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Sing it with me. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak. But He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And the Bible says this, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? If He's yours and yours His, then today He's saying, bring it to me and cast all your care upon me for I care for you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. You're in this room today and you'd say, preacher, there's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. By way of this weekend or times past in my life, I've accepted Christ and I know He's my Savior. There's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. If I perish today, I'd go to heaven. I can raise my hand right now. I know I'm born again. I know I am. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Thank you. You're in this room and you say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be. And I want you to pray that God would give me victory and He would help me to realize I can't get to heaven on my own. I've got to trust what Jesus did for me, not what I do for Him. And I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody honest enough to say, Preacher, pray, I'm not saved, but I want to be. Anybody like that? Anybody. God bless you, friend. Thank you. Anybody else? God wants to save you today. He don't want you to go through life not knowing where you'd go. 
He wants you to know that you, you have eternal life. He wants you to know that you're going to heaven. But I have to ask one more question that's of vital importance to the Christian. Today, are you holding on to bitterness? Because you're not holding on to it, it's holding on to you. I wonder if you'd say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart, and I want you to pray that God would help me to release this thing and let it go. I've got a family situation. I've got financial situations. I've got a, a hurt took place years and years and years ago, and I haven't let it go, and it's festering and festering, and I want to release it so I can have the power of God on my life and say, Preacher, will you pray for me? God's spoken to me, and I want to let it go. Anybody like that? God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Any, God bless. Thanks. Thank you. God bless. I'll be praying for you. Anybody else? God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, in Jesus' name, I love you today. And I'm thankful that you said that we could demonstrate our love toward men by the way we forgive, by the way we're merciful, by the way we are tender-hearted, and, and Lord, we love one another. Why are we so critical sometimes, Lord? Why don't we just just live under the combination that you told us that we'll be known by all men because of our love one to another. Lord, I pray that if there's bitterness in the life of any Christian in this room, they'll let it go today. Release it into your, your care and let you take care of it. And Lord, you put band-aids on the wounds and restore the joy of thy salvation unto them. We'll love you and praise you for what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.